Return to the Word is made possible by faithful supporters like you. Find out more at returntotheword.com. Welcome to the broadcast ministry of Return to the Word with Pastor Mark Fontecchio, advancing the message of God's amazing grace through the teaching of God's Word. And now, here is pastor and author Mark Fontecchio. One day down in the south, two boys were picking up pecans that had fallen to the ground beneath a pecan tree in the cemetery. And after they had filled their bucket, they sat down and started to divide the pecans up, saying, one for you, one for me, one for you, one for me. But this young boy, he just heard these boys speaking, one for you, one for me, one for you, one for me. Now, terrified at the thought of what he thought was happening, the boy rode his bike as quick as he could away from the cemetery. And the first person that he met was an old man. And the young boy told the old man, he said, Jesus and the devil are down by the wooden fence, dividing up all the souls in the cemetery. Well, the old man, he knew a little better than this, but this young boy was scared. So he decided to go back to the cemetery. And as they reached a fence by the cemetery. Sure enough, they heard the voices of the two boys dividing up these pecans. One for you, one for me. One for you, one for me. Sure enough, creepy. But the old man still wanted to take another look and see what was going on. That is, right up until he heard the voices say, well, that's all of them. So now let's go down, get those two nuts by the fence. (laughs) There is a battle raging. I was hoping you guys would get that. It's always brutal when you tell one that you think it's funny and you're standing up here and everybody's looking at you. There is a battle that is raging in the heavens between the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness, and it has nothing to do with Jesus and the devil sitting down in the cemetery and dividing up the souls of men. But instead, we understand that this battle has been raging since the beginning of time. Satan and his demonic forces had, have been at work tempting and attacking humans ever since his sneak attack in the Garden of Eden in Genesis 3. And their battle, their goal, their battle is to drive a wedge between men and the Creator. And I believe, hear me on this, I believe the world is being prepared for what is to come. This is why people look to be entertained today by books and movies that have demonic undertones, witchcraft, magic, and spirits. You see, the groundwork, the groundwork is being laid for the demonic activity to take over the world. It is being laid. The world is being preconditioned. That's what's going on right now when you turn on the TV. The world is being preconditioned by the entertainment of Hollywood to take in the doctrines of demons and reject biblical truth. The groundwork is being laid for the demonic activity of Satan to take over the world. And Revelation 9 is about to show us that the warfare there that is subtle today and sometimes invisible to us today It's going to turn into a frontal assault by the demonic forces of Satan upon the souls alive during the tribulation. See, after the church is taken out of the world, after the church is gone, Satan's forces will be unleashed as if never before. And Revelation 9 is where we are headed. My hope for you this morning is that as we look at this text, as we look at what Satan will do in the future, it helps us to understand what he's doing right now, what he's doing now. 
Verse 1 of Revelation 9 starts out by saying this. It says in the text, Then the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fallen from heaven to the earth. To him was given the key to the bottomless pit. Now, this is the fifth trumpet judgment of Revelation. And if you remember that back in chapter 8, verse 13 said this. It said, and I looked and I heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven saying with a loud voice, Whoa, whoa, whoa to the inhabitants of the earth because of the remaining blasts of the trumpet of the three angels who are about to sound. Three woes. Why? Why are there three more woes? Well, three woes because three more trumpet judgments are about to sound. And verse 1 of chapter 9 is introducing the fifth trumpet judgment, the first of these woes. Now, I want you to notice that this star is described as having fallen from heaven to earth. Fallen from heaven to earth. The context of Revelation 9 tells us that we are not talking of a star in the night sky. It cannot be a star in the night sky. We are talking about an intelligent being. It has to be an intelligent being in the text. Entrusted with a key to the bottomless pit. Down in verse 11, we're going to see something else. We're going to read of the angel of the bottomless pit. But who is this star that has the key to the bottomless pit? Well, one idea that is out there is that this fallen star is an angel from heaven that comes to earth and is given the authority by God to have the key to the bottomless pit. The other idea is that this refers to the fall of Satan from heaven to the earth. Now, let me show you why many think that this is Satan. The New King James does a great job of translating this. It does a very good job at this. It says that this star has fallen. Now in the Greek, this is in the perfect tense. And it means something important because it means it's a completed action in the past with continuing effects. A completed action in the past with continuing effects, which would fit the teaching of Revelation 12 when there will be warfare in heaven and the devil is cast out to the earth. Revelation 12 says, And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. But they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. They're going to get kicked out. They're going to get booted right out of heaven permanently. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Now, certainly, we got to say, as we look at Revelation 12, that Satan has access to heaven. Right now, Satan accuses the brethren before God. But the time is coming in the tribulation when God is going to put it to an end and cast Satan and his fallen angels out of heaven at the beginning of the great tribulation. If this is the reference in Revelation 9, then Satan has already been cast out by this time. Now, this bottomless pit is a prison. It is not the final destination of demons. I want you to be clear about that thought. It is not the final destination. It is a prison for certain demons during our time right now. The day will come when Satan and his forces will be thrown into the lake of fire, but this is not the lake of fire. Think of the bottomless pit like a holding cell. 
We know that this pit is the holding cell for many of the demons that are locked up now. Take a look at the demons in Luke chapter 8. Great text. It says, Jesus asked him, saying, what is your name? And he said, Legion. Why? Because many demons had entered him, and they begged him that he would not command them to go out. Where? Into the abyss. The pit, or the abyss, it's a bad place. It's a bad place. It's a terrible place. Even for the demons, it's a bad place. These demons begged Jesus not to be sent there. And then we read in Jude 6 this. And the angels who did not keep their proper domain but left their own abode, he has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. See, Satan used to be the highest angel in heaven, but he wanted to take God's place. He got a little prideful, got a little arrogant, wanted to take God's place. And during the tribulation, Satan is going to make a massive attempt to stop the establishment of the kingdom of God on earth. He wants to stop God from setting up his kingdom. And whether in Revelation 9-1, this is an angel entrusted by God to this role, or if you think this is Satan himself, God is one way or another going to allow Satan to liberate his forces in the bottomless pit. Because it doesn't matter. See, it doesn't matter how many demons Satan has. He can have as many as he wants. It doesn't matter because God's power is unmatched in heaven. This pit has Satan's worst demons. I mean, this is the maximum security. This is the bad of the bad. This is the worst of the worst. Incarcerated in the pit since the early days of Earth's history. But they're going to be released. They're going to be let free. They're going to be let go at the fifth trumpet. So Revelation 9 tells us next. It says, And he opened the bottomless pit, and smoke arose out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace. So the sun and the air were darkened because of the smoke of the pit. Then out of the smoke locusts came upon the earth, and to them was given power, as the scorpions of the earth have power. Now when the door of the abyss, or the bottomless pit, swung open, smoke poured out. Smoke pours out like the smoke of a great furnace. It will darken the sun and the sky. Now these are not natural locusts. These are not just these little, little, little bugs. That's not what we're talking about. These are demonic forces let loose upon the earth. This is going to be a bad day for the world. This is going to be a horrible day. Satan's forces will be unleashed and they will invade the planet like a vast locust plague. Again, this is the maximum security prison for the demons and they're about to be let free. And they're described as locusts because they remind us of the locust plagues in the Old Testament. But as we're about to see in Revelation, they are like no locusts that any human being has ever seen. We go back to the eighth plague on the land of Egypt where the Bible says in Exodus 10, it says, so Moses stretched out his rod over the land of Egypt, and the Lord brought an east wind on the land all that day and all that night. And when it was morning, the east wind brought the locusts. And the locusts went up over all the land of Egypt and rested on all the territory of Egypt. And they were very severe. Previously, there had been none such locusts as they, nor shall they ever be as such after them. Watch this part. It says, For they covered the face of the whole earth, so that the land was darkened, and they ate every herb of the land and all the fruit of the trees which the hail had left. So there remained nothing green on the trees or on the plants of the field throughout all the land of Egypt. 
Now, Exodus is showing us a picture of massive devastation upon the land where everything is just eaten down to the ground. Because a a locust swarm, that's what a locust looks like there, a locust swarm can destroy entire regions, just wipe it bare, strip the land bare. But when Satan's forces are unleashed, power will be given to them. Isn't that interesting? Power will be given to them. And instead of hurting trees and grass, what are they going to do? Revelation is brutal. They're not going to just hurt grass. They're going to hurt men. They're going to hurt women. They're coming for people. And the power to do this will be given to them, meaning they can do nothing apart. Hear me on this. They can do nothing apart from the permissive will of God. See, these demonic beings in Revelation 9 will have the ability to sting like scorpions. And then it gets worse. I've said this before, but it does. It gets worse. And we're told in Revelation 9, starting in verse 4, it says, They were commanded not to harm the grass of the earth or any green thing or any tree, but only those men who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. And they were not given authority to kill them, but to torment them for five months. Their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it strikes a man. And in those days, men will seek death and will not find it. They will desire to die and death will flee from them. These are not your typical locusts. I hope I've made that clear. Verse 4 tells us they won't be able to harm the things that locusts typically go for. The grass of the earth, the vegetation of the earth. When locusts come through, they eat the vegetation down, right down to the ground. The green field is left a desert. But for these demonic beasts, their targets are not plants. Their targets are people. But notice something very specific in the text. It tells us that they will not, they absolutely will not be able to hurt the 144,000 witnesses sealed by God for protection in chapter 7. The 12,000 witnesses from each of the 12 tribes of Israel. They will be spared the suffering that will come from these demonic locusts. Forbidden by God to touch those sealed by God. But those who have taken the mark of the beast, they're going to be tormented. Now these locusts, disturbingly enough to say, they're going to have a hunger for men. The unregenerate and godless men who reject Christ. That's who they're going after. The unregenerate and godless men who reject Christ. These demonic creatures will not be permitted to kill. The torment inflicted when they sting will much be like the torment of a scorpion sting. Excruciatingly painful, the text tells us. It will burn. It's going to burn. But in this case, it's not going to be deadly. God is going to put a limit on this for five months. Even in that, we see the mercy and grace of God, which is, by the way, five months is the lifespan of a locust spring through summer. But in that five months, the physical and the mental and the emotional toll on the people, it's going to drive them mad. It's going to drive them crazy. Five months of these these things are going to drive people crazy. And in some of the most haunting words of Scripture, the desperate situation is described in verse 6. Read it again. It says, in those days, men will seek death and will not find it. They will desire to die and death will flee from them. It's going to be hell on earth. This is the nature of demonic activity there to inflict pain and suffering. A man by the name of Joey Gutierrez, he wrote a book 
telling some short stories from his 42 years as a steel worker. If you've never been in steel country, some of the times what you see in these mills, it can be beautiful with the hot metal coming down, pouring down. And one of these short stories he wrote, he called the story, The Snow Danced in August. And he describes this scene, a scene of these silvery dust flakes that are falling down that often floated down in the steel mill in the floor in the area of the mill where they had these steel strips that would roll over the pads in the cooling tower. And this was a very popular spot because it was just a sight to behold. It was a beautiful scene. And for years, all the workers and all the people who had come to visit the mill, they would go there and make a point of it, and they'd get their friends and family to come see this beautiful thing to watch the sight of these dust flakes falling down, especially beautiful at night. And then you know what they discovered? They discovered that the dust was asbestos, and everybody there breathed it. And Joe now suffers from the slow, choking grip of the asbestos in his lungs, and so do many of those plant workers. And he can't walk too far. He gets tired real fast, and it hurts. It hurts just to breathe. And Joe wrote, and to think we used to sit there and fight over that job. His story makes me think about how many things in our world are just like the silver flakes in that steel mill. Very enchanting. Very beautiful to look at and very deadly. That's the way it is with the lies of the devil, and they are all around us. You know, as I said before, I believe that Satan is paving the road to his earthly kingdom by changing the mindset of the culture on earth. One TV show at a time, one movie, one streaming service, one game, one book at a time. And this is why we see people line up and pay money to watch Satan's lies on the movie screen filled with the demonic. That's why. It's filled with witchcraft and the satanic, filled with the filth and the violence of a lost and dying world. And these are not the things that lead you to take up the mind of Christ. See, the Bible tells us that the entire world is is moving toward this seven-year kingdom of the Antichrist. Seven years of his kingdom. And so be aware that there is coming a day when the forces of Satan are going to be unleashed upon this earth. Let that shape how you live now. Let that change how you think now. Adopt a kingdom mindset, a mindset that is focused on the coming kingdom of Jesus Christ, because right now Satan is setting the foundation for his own rule on earth. He's laying down the pavement. Paul said in Colossians 1.13, speaking of Christ, if you want some verses to memorize, these will change your life. What? That Christ has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of who? The son of his love. And just a few verses before this, he said in his prayer for the church, another verse you should memorize. He said that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. See, that's my prayer for the church of Jesus Christ right there, that you're walking worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Think about when you're living your life, if that's what you're doing. 
See, I choose to live my life right now, honoring Jesus Christ, not looking to be entertained by Hollywood. I choose to live my life now by the power of Christ in me, honoring Christ, not on the one hand trying to earn any favor with God and not bending down to legalism. I'm not trying to do that, but because I want to honor my Savior because His Word, His written Word has convinced me of the new life He's given me in Christ. Christ. And I just want my life to be a reflection of him, not a reflection of the lies that come out of the pit of hell. And I can't tell you how many lives I've seen destroyed. It's painful to be a pastor and watch these lives go off track. I've seen so many lives destroyed because people get off track in their lives. And much of it seemed like the little things at first until it wasn't. It always starts with the little until it's not. It starts with the occult the pornography, the greed, the drugs, the alcohol. Satan's lies are deadly, very deadly. He wants to destroy your family, your testimony, your relationship with the Creator. And if you want to play with sin, go ahead, but do not be surprised when you get bitten with its sting. There is coming a day when Satan's forces are going to be unleashed and they will be exposed for what they really are. Look at the description that starts in verse 7, the shape of the locusts was like horses prepared for battle. On their heads were crowns of something like gold, and their faces were like the faces of men. And they had hair like women's hair, and their teeth were like lion's teeth. Here is what Satan's forces are going to look like. Now, these locusts are going to look like horses that are prepared for battle, telling us that these are not tiny little bugs. They're not just little, little bugs going along. These are big. They have size here. They have strength and a speed of the horse. Throughout Revelation, the horse is the war horse, a symbol of defiance, defiance against God. These creatures are coming on a mission of doom. On their heads are what look like the crowns of gold. They will conquer everything in their path. And their faces are like human faces. These are intelligent creatures. You know, if we could travel back, you want to talk about a pandemic. You want to talk about an, a, a horrible thing. If we want to look at that, we could travel back to London in the year 1666. We could find ourselves at the time living in a nightmare. The great bubonic plague was at its height. The sights and sounds of the city were like a terrible horror movie at the time. People believed that was a real pandemic. The people believed that fresh air was the cause of the plague. They believed the fresh air was the cause of the plague. And the College of the Physicians at the time recommended the frequent firing of guns to blow away the deadly air. That's how they thought they were going to solve things. Now, I can get behind shooting a gun, Evan, in the air. I'm good with that. But that was their solution to the bubonic plague. And so think about what these people did. They thought fresh air was their enemy. And so they sealed themselves in their rooms and they burned nasty smelling fires to keep the fresh air away. Chimneys were sealed. Rooms were gray with smoke and people were choking in the suffocating stench. And so then black smoke hung over the city, but people sat in these tightly sealed rooms, determined, determined to endure the smoke, convinced that they were immune to the plague. Now, if we had a time machine, if we had a time machine, we could go back and we could tell them that they were wrong, that the plague is not caused by fresh air, but by germs and it's spread by fleas. But they would just laugh at us. 
they would laugh. It's the same reaction we get today when you tell people that the whole world is in the grip of Satan. See, people laugh at that. They don't think it's serious. And that he has countless hosts of invisible demons to help him in his wicked plans against mankind. And the reason I don't mess around in my life with anything that is demonic, pretend or otherwise, the reason I do not allow it into our home is because the Bible tells us how intelligent and how deceptive demons are. Before long, the demons that are on earth are going to be joined by countless more of their kind. But even worse, our world is going to be invaded by the forces of darkness even more than it already has been. Now, verse 8, I'm not one to talk about hair, but here I go. Here's my attempt. Verse 8, it tells us that their hair is like women's hair. Some think that this refers to the long antennas that insects have. Others think that this means that because a woman's hair is her glory, that it's beautiful and attractive, that something seductive and attractive will be present in these creatures. But these beasts are cruel, and they're strong, shown with the lion's teeth. So the description continues in verse 9. Let's read it. It says, And they had breastplates like breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings was like the sound of chariots with many horses running into battle. They had tails like scorpions, and they were stings in their tails. Their power was to hurt men five months. Breastplates that are like breastplates of iron, meaning that they are nearly invisible, possibly that they have armor on them. Or it could be that the scales that form the outer part of the skin are on the chest of these beasts. And the sound of their wings, the text is telling us, it's like the sound of many chariots with horses rushing into battle. In other words, the sound of them strikes terror. It strikes terror in the hearts of even the bravest men. It is the sound of these creatures coming to do battle with men. And as we noted before, these demonic creatures will have tails and their stings will be like scorpions able to hurt people for five months. They will inflict an incredible amount of pain. I want you to notice as you're looking at this with me, how many times you see the word like in the text. Like, like, like. It's all throughout here. Now John wasn't saying that these creatures were horses. He's not saying that. John wasn't saying these creatures were men. He's not saying that. He's saying they had features or qualities like a horse, like a scorpion, features like those animals. He's trying to describe the indescribable. So put it all together. Watch what he's saying. He says that these demons are like locusts. They're like horses. They're like man. They're like lions and like scorpions. It adds up to one hideous looking thing, this grotesque horde of beings. And that's exactly what God is trying to communicate to us here. You see, Satan and his forces are at last revealed for what they really are. You know, despite what you may hear today, Demons are not nice little spirit guides. That's not who they are. They are not the fuzzy warm light at the end of the tunnel. They are not Uncle Joe coming back from the dead. They are hideous, horrible, horrifying creatures that will absolutely destroy you in the end. These demonic beasts in Revelation will be focused on inflicting pain, brutal and fierce. They will come to hurt people. That's their mission, coming to hurt people, to torment people. This is all that Satan and this is all that his demons can offer, torment. 
These are intelligent and deceptive creatures in Revelation 9, soldiers in the kingdom of darkness, probably possessed by demons. But they will also have a king. Notice verse 11. It tells us, it says, And they had as a king over them the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in Hebrew is Abaddon, but in Greek he has the name of Apollyon. The angel over the bottomless pit, it could be a reference to Satan. It could also be just one of the leading fallen angels, one of the leading fallen angels that comes out of the abyss with the other demons, which is what I actually think it is. Because even a prison, even a prison has its own leaders. These demonic beasts have a king over them. He is the angel of the bottomless pit. He is in control of the demonic beasts. His name in Hebrew is Abaddon, which means destruction, destruction. And in Greek, he's called Apollyon, which means exterminator or destroyer. Satan is a destroyer who brings destruction to every life he touches. Then we read in our last verse, in verse 12, it just simply says, One woe is past, behold, still two more woes are coming after these things. On February 27 of 2012, a 17-year-old by the name of T.J. Lane from Chardon, Ohio, T.J. burst into his school's cafeteria, and he started just shooting, gunning down his classmates right in the cafeteria. If it wasn't for the courage of Coach Frank Hall, many more students would have died. You see, Coach Hall, he's an interesting person. He tells you flat out to your face that he hates confrontations. He's not one that wants to confront people. He's afraid of heights, Micah. He's just one that is afraid of heights. He's afraid of roller coasters. He's afraid of scary movies. He's more of a big teddy bear than a fighter. But when the shots rang out on that February morning in Chardon High School, Frank Hall knew exactly what he had to do. See, Coach Hall, he's a, he's a believer in Jesus Christ. And he responded with courage in the face of danger. Students were hiding under their desks, but Hall, he charged at the gunman, and he, he commanded the gunman. He just said, stop! But this isn't a movie, so the gunman didn't stop. And he shot. He shot right at Coach Hall. Unfortunately, Coach is fast enough to move, and he dove. He dove and got out of the way, dove behind a soda machine. But then the school secretary came out of the office because she heard the gunshots. And so the gunman turned and pointed the gun in her face. But again, Coach Hall got up. He rose up and he shouted, no. And he started charging right directly at the gunman. And this is all it took. That's all it took. Because that little 17-year-old coward with a gun took off running. He just took off running. And when he was asked why he'd run away, he just simply said, because Coach Hall was chasing me. In a later interview, Coach Hall said this. He goes, I know it sounds crazy, but in all honesty, I just really didn't think anything about it. I just reacted. And here's the part I want you to listen to. He said, as a society, we cannot lose our outrage when these kind of tragedies happen. We cannot get to the point where we accept these kind of things just as part of our lives now. We have to make sure, as a people, we don't accept it. And that is just what the Bible is teaching us, Christians, when it comes to the evil that Satan is throwing at us. We don't have to accept it. Not those of us who know Jesus Christ. You see, here's what I'm telling you this morning. Let me boil it down. I know that as a child of God, Satan can't touch my soul. He cannot touch my eternal destiny with Christ. 
Because just as the 144,000 will be sealed and protected by God during the tribulation from the hideous creatures of Revelation 9, I have been sealed by the Spirit of God, eternally secure in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. My position in Christ is secure. And I know that Satan cannot possess me. I don't even think about it. I don't even worry about it. I know that his demons cannot control me for God is living in me. And he that is in me, according to 1 John 4, 4, is greater than he who is in the world. See, I belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's my identity, according to God himself. And the only ground that Satan can take from me is the ground that I give him. Yes, we need to be aware of his plans. We need to know what he's up to. We need to know how he works. We need to be alert to his temptations. But no born-again child of God should be afraid of Satan. Not at all. Because our Heavenly Father protects those who are his. We need to be on guard because Satan, Satan, he makes sin look good and right, even though it's so destructive. But don't be afraid. Don't be terrified. Because we're not left helpless victims, left alone in the face of demonic attacks. You know, demons today... They're invisible to us. We don't see them. And they're real. And they're aggressive. And many of them roam around freely on the earth looking to tempt believers into sin and looking to lead unbelievers away from God. That's what they want to do. And it was Peter that wrote this in 1 Peter 5.8. He said, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour Revelation is going to show us, though, that with a single rebuke, the Lord Jesus can flatten all the destructive powers of the enemy. No demonic powers are a match for the Lord Jesus Christ. So here's what I want you to take home. Let Christ handle your spiritual battles for you. See, this text doesn't mean we shout at demons. We submit to God. We rest in Christ. By faith, we recognize that the battle is his, and we never forget the words of James 4. James 4, written to believers, written to those who are already made righteous by faith, but needing renewed fellowship with God. James says this, Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. That's our promise. That's our promise until our Savior takes us home. Return to the Word Ministries is committed to teaching the full counsel of God's Word and the gospel of Jesus Christ. For more about our ministry, please visit returntotheword.com. Return to the Word is a faith ministry. This means we freely distribute the teaching of the Word of God over the air and online. We do this without charge. If you feel led to support the ministry with a donation to help cover these costs, you may do so on our website, returntotheword.com, or by mailing a donation to Return to the Word, P.O. Box 879-259, Wasilla, Alaska, 99687. Thanks for listening, and we pray that the Word of God will be a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. Join us next time for another edition of Return to the Word.